first, yeah, I would like to thank all the organizers of this seminar because as I said to Isabella just before, with the current situation, uh, with the virus and all, we miss uh, opportunity to discuss about our work. So it's very uh, important uh, way to work now. So thank you so much. And thank you to all the participants who came to listen my paper because uh, you have all the different time, different many work to do. So thank you so much to join and to, to be here. And I would like to say sorry because most of the time I can be here because I have a class at Inalco at the same time. So that's why you never saw my face. <laughs> but I wish to have more time uh, when I will finish my uh, study also at the Inalco. So my name is Chloe Lukasiewicz. And as Dania said, I'm a PhD student in ethnomusicology at Paris Nanterre University. I do also study at Inalco with Françoise Robin and Katia uh, is uh, well, we are we are in the same kind of bubble in Paris for all these kind of studies. And I'm also basically a musician, so I have a classical singer formation basically. So I came to ethnomusicology, but basically I'm a musicologist and a, a performer basically. So I use the fact to sing and to dance. I play instrument during uh, when I came, I go to um, India or in Tibet. I used to learn and to perform not as an artist, but as a, a student most of the time. So um, I'm uh, supervised by uh, Anne de Salle and Christine Guibault in Paris. So an anthropologist uh, in Nepal and more an ethnomusicologist uh, in India. And uh, so as I, as Daniel teased me a little bit, it's, uh, I changed a little bit my contain and my presentation today because uh, my supervisor asked me to uh, do two chapter about really the listening station. So that's why this last week it have moved, moved a lot. And please forgive my English. So as you know, uh, as a French, I'm not really like uh, use, use, usual to use some words in English. So if I don't have all the shades of uh, this language, please forgive me. Uh, I will do my best, but perhaps it will be like a little bit uh, weird sometime. <laughs> so my PhD focuses on the place of musical choreographical performances in the construction of subjectivities in Tibetan society in exile in Dharamshala in India. So I focus my attention on, on one side, the representation of musical and dance practices in the public space. So it's more related uh, about what Daniel spoke just uh, before in India last year, I present a paper about that. And the other side on the discourses formulated about, the, uh, about them in an individual listening, which I consider as a musical experience, it's in its own right, a mode of action in and on the world. Today it is about the second part on listening that uh, I will I'm, I will talk about. So more spe specifically, I will present the systematized listening station that I set up for my last fieldwork in 2019 under the advice of one of my supervisors. To this station, I wish to question the importance place attributed to nationalism in Tibetan society in exile within scientific discourses, especially those about music. To do so, I will highlight the different value system or axiological grammars attributed by Tibetan refugees to the music that constitute a Tibetan soundscape Idaramshala. This will also allow me to show that despite the weight of Tibetan institution in the field of the patrimonialization of musical choreographic knowledge and their discourses on what counts in their situation of exile, 
individuals construct their own value system and their own logic of attachment through their life experience. This listening, uh, sorry, this listening session aims to reveal these different grammars and to show that music is a revealer of them. They will also permit me to demonstrate that this, uh, it is through musical experience that these different shared and individual value system are articulated. I therefore believe that this experience of music plays an important particularly important role in the construction of individual subjectivities, but also in the cohesion of Tibetan society in Dharamshala as an emotional community in exile, despite its great, uh, great heterogeneity and internal conflict. So for today, um, till now, for a seminar or a conference, I used to present more ethnographical data to speak about my fieldworks and describe musical practices and institutions. So what I will do today, it's kind of new and a little bit experiential for me. Um, so because I will present the tool I set up, so the listening station and the approach uh, and development that emerged from this analysis. So about the listening station, why I should to do that? So after my visit in 2018 in Dharamshala, I came to wonder uh, whether the Tibetan nationalism that was so much in evidence in the field of Tibetan music in exile research and more generally about Tibetan society in exile was really at the core of the Tibetan refugee experience. So before to present you the different music I choose to set up in, uh, I think it's important to tell you about the people who accepted actually to participate to, to this um, experience. So for now, it's 10 people I knew uh, beforehand. So it is some member of my family host or some uh, French class student, because I used to teach French also in Dharamshala, or it was some Tipa artist friends or musician I have worked with, and some close friend or longtime friends. So all these person agreed to participate to this station. And among them in 2019, there is uh, a man and woman aged uh, between uh, 23 to 65, uh, 67, half born in exile in Asia and the other half part in Tibet with a person from the three big region, great region uh, as it's defined uh, more generally now. And the majority of them uh, living in India and a few people living in the West um, and are represented different social professional activities including artistic activities as well as retired and un unemployed people. Not that all these persons have at one time or another in their lives and in different contexts being music and dance practitioners. So how about the system? And sorry if uh, my words in English are a little bit strict, but uh, it's hard for me to find uh, in French, it's more like um, soft, but in English, perhaps it's a little bit hard, but sorry. So this individual station were in English or in Tibetan and once in French language, in a place at the participant convenience. So it could be a room or a terrace of restaurant, a coffee, an office or a room in a private home. And at least uh, it's, the duration was between one and two hours in general. So as I wanted to be able to do a portrait of the participant, uh, the first part of this listening station was a time when participants described to me their past life paths and their relationship to artistic practices. The second part was dedicated 
probably on listening with uh, individual with hair, uh, headphone, as you saw in the picture uh, of the beginning of my presentation. And it was really this part for a listening session. So I play 11 songs and I have selected and I play it in succession without the participant knowing what they, uh, they were about. So the question I asked before starting the listening was uh, much neutral as possible. Does this music make you think about something? Just that after the discussion was very open. So in addition to the speeches made about the different item, I took into account the listening time so the person could stop the music whenever they want. And as much as possible, I tried to describe the physical reaction when there were any, like crying or crossing hard, looking up. At. I did my best to try to not on the same time, but as uh, we, we will see how I will manage all this kind of data. And finally, I ended the station with a third part where I asked three questions. What music did you prefer in this playlist? But with some uh, kind of um, time pass. So I think I should have uh, asked also which song did you like the less also, but now it's a little bit too late. The second question was, what do you like to listen to if uh, you have the choice? And the third one was, if you have to choose only one music to symbolize Tibet to a person who don't know anything about it, what would you choose? So about the selected items, so for the really the listening session, I made this choice uh, of song. Um, I chosen for this playlist from speeches on certain repertoire or on the musical test in a more general way that I have already heard during my fieldwork in 2015 for my master degree but more particularly during my fieldwork in 2018, where I had rather worked with within institutions such as the Tibetan Institute of Performing Arts, TIPA, where I was a student in singing and dancing and also uh, drumming playing, and also in the Upper TCV village, Tibetan Children's Village, so in Upper Dharamsala. So since the distinction between the three uh, regions, or Utsangkan and Ando, became important in Tibetan culture in exile, I choose uh, six songs from this uh, point of view about regional song characteristic. Then I chose uh, three songs that are part of the soundscape in Dharamshala without regional consideration. As Indian film music culture is important, I choose a song from Bollywood movie. Then I choose a patriotic song as it's being considered by some people as the new traditional music as some people told me during my fieldwork. So the song I will present today to show you how I work about this listening and the data on it, it's uh, this song, this patriotic song. And then the quality of modern Tibetan pop song produced in exile compared to those produced in Tibet, being often at the heart of this debate in the Ramshala, I chose two songs from this repertoire. Finally, I chose to include a song from a repertoire not very present now in the soundscape in Dharamshala today, the rock, uh, the pop and rap being much more present in Dharamsala today. So it's a um, kind of different situation that Kayla Dell was able to describe uh, 20 years ago. The order in which I choose to play the music was also thoughtful. Since my work is initially focused on the musical experience of people from Kambawa, I thought about the order of listening from what I understood uh, to be the most distant to the more familiar for a musical point of view. 
So about the presentation of data for this intervention, I have chosen to present the analysis of the data of the sixth song of the playlist, Ahmad Genlu. So it's a song that is categorized, uh, sorry, <laughs> categorized as a patriotic song taught in Tibetan school in exile. So the lyrics were written by Gen Dawatashila, an upper TCB music teacher who was also uh, trained in uh, TIPA actually. So um, where I am, music teacher, uh, he was inspired by the story of one of his students. He saw him waiting every day at the school gate for his parents to come and to pick him up. Putting himself in this child's shoes, he described the feeling he has when he think of the family he had left, especially his mother. I have chosen to present this particular song to you today because despite the number of modern Tibetan songs that have been written about mother, especially by men, and the importance of mothers in Tibetan culture, the maternal figure in this context has apparently, perhaps I'm wrong, but I didn't find anything about that, not been so much um, researched actually. Thus, this is one of the themes that I want to develop in particular in my PhD, and that is, I think, uh, relevant to present to you today. So the recording comes from a YouTube video that was put online by Tibet TV for the celebration of the 53rd anniversary of the Upper TCV School in Dharamshala in 2013. In this video, students from the several kindergarten uh, classes line up on the school's foreground and perform this song choreographed and set in music by Genda Watashila. The audiences all around the field in the bleachers is composed of family members, school students, officials, and sponsors invited for the event. A small orchestra of uh, older students play the instrumental part that accompanied them, but we don't see them uh, in the video. The lyrics are a reflection of the great nostalgia and sadness felt by the speaker when he thinks of the moments spent in Tibet with his beloved parents and especially with his mother, whom he called several, several times Amala Amala. He talked in particular about his crying and how he continued to apply his parents' advices in school life, behave and speak correctly, politely, make effort. So now I will try to present. And as we saw, now I think it's okay. If it's too loud, please let me know. We checked just before with Daniel. So. Yeah. 
about the question of mother, it's very interesting, but I won't speak about that. But the the things also about how they choose to build this movie is also very interesting because we don't know if the child is crying because of the meaning of the lyrics or something. But as I think some of you have already be part of in the audience of this kind of event, uh, the child are, are on the playground all the day and it's it's on the sun and everything. So we don't know if the child cry for uh, what he feel for the music or about the situation he's bored or tired we don't know but the use of the camera and how it's uh, it's really interesting to to analyze also but it's not my point but it's uh, something I, I found very interesting also so I will try to move for other sorry so now I'm going to present you the synthesis of the different values that have been attributed to this song by my interlocutor the listener Based on their speeches, I build the categorization by being inspired by the work done by Einig, Gibo, and but also Laplace. Note that this work of creating categories from these speeches is on process, and uh, I would be more than happy to benefit from your comments and advice forward. So, uh, I will present the different dimension, like uh, in order of importance in the speeches how many times it uh, appears. So the first, oops, sorry. The first one is the aesthetic dimension. It was the least more income about this song. So it was more about textual register. Some of the listeners said, oh, the lyrics are very sad. It's very nostalgic. So it's the aesthetic dimensions of this song. And after this more uh, explanatory dimension who come a little bit more, but it was not so much important. So. There is the knowledge register. Uh, some people say, oh, I recognize this song is Ama Denlu. And about mm, knowledge, it was more about, uh, oh, I understand the lyrics or I, did, I don't understand the lyrics. And there was also an exegetical register, ex explanation on the lyrics. Oh, this song is about, and the explanation uh, sometimes was a little bit different depending on the uh, listener, um, how do you say, importance point of view. So now it's uh, really more uh, present in the discourses, the pitches of the listener. It was an interpretative dimension. So there is the imagination register, the emotion register and the mediation register. So I go a little bit deeper inside. So about the imagination register, it was question of immersive value. Some people say, oh, it takes us back to Tibet. The other one was an empathic, um, empathic value. So we can imagine the pain of those who have experienced the separation from their parents. Also about the emotion register. So I use emotion, uh, feeling and affect indifferently as vermo um, and consider emotion as interactive process that shape people's perception as, as Vasek uh, told and also as a value revelator, as Einik used also this notion of emotion in global. So in this dimension, this register, it was more about moving value. So the listeners say, oh, it's a touching music. So about touching, it was like in three points, it can be uh, the voice of the children who was moving, like really about the voice, the fact it was children who were singing, the melody also, and the third one was the lyrics. So the second value is the intimate value. This, some, some of my listeners say, oh, I feel very close to this song. 
because it's evoked a widely shared history, uh, as they say. It's not my own uh, point about that. And the third one is the ethical value. It deals with important issues such as freedom of religion, practice, and study, but also the important issue about separation from family and home. So it's about this uh, emotion register. And third, the mediation register. So I used to say mediation because uh, as I understand that it's a kind of bridge who make link between people or it's sometimes, but as it's in building, so perhaps mediation is not the best word, but I'm open to other proposition. So there is the transmission value. So some of my uh, interlocutors said, uh, oh, it transmits some um, important point about Tibetan culture or Tibetan history. So the second value was something more about awareness. Oh, this song is important to explain issues about exile or what others have experienced. So in this bottom view, it was more um, uh, focused on the um, child who born in exile and to remember them, the past, the history, and to uh, the, the, how to explain, to award them about the past. And the third value in mediation was a revealing value. So some people say each one carry a sad story with him and it appear when they listen this song. And they also realize that it's a shared story, that many people share the same story. So the last uh, dimension who was equally uh, present as the interpretive dimension was the memory dimension. So about this fourth dimension, it was about anamnesis register. So the first I choose to, but it's a, uh, it's more for a, how do you say, um, building construction category, but it was more, not a question of uh, uh, importance in the speech. So there's the souvenir memory value. So specific encapsulated moment that return to memory. So it's question of remembrance of a specific past event. For example, the show, the device itself, the public, the space, the children, and it can also bring back feeling through the through uh, that have been manifested during a specific past event. So, for example, the feeling uh, that one person felt during this show at the TCV. For example, if the listener, I didn't do it purposely, but there is someone who was present in the audiences, and she remembered that she was in the audience. She remembered the device in general. She remembered what she felt and what she thought at that moment. And also it brings back to her some memory of a personal event during this specific event because her niece was uh, in the children who was per performing this song. And just to notice that you have the, um, how do you say, the video for this presentation, but the listener just have the song. They didn't have the, um, the movie with uh, during the, the, the experience. So the second value was the habituation memory value. So it's memory that is acquired through repetition, presence in a place. So in that point, it was more evocation of classmates and teachers in TCV school in Dharamshala, but also in Shimla. It was also evocation of school periods without any precise description. Evocation of uh, other musical repertoire was also um, pointed out in this uh, value of habituation memory. And the third one, it's, uh, I, I think it's important also to say that there is some kind of speeches that I don't know how to understand and how to classify. 
Because for example, there is one person who did not tell me a precise memory and at the same time, she evoked her parents. So with the discourses she did, I can't match that to habituation memory. Uh, indeed, in uh, these words, combine it to her life course. So she's born and raised in Tibet and therefore separate from her parents. But she, she wasn't a student at the TCV. She came in, in, uh, in India when she was 25. So nothing allowed me to connect this to souvenir memory or habituation memory. So there is sometimes uh, it's difficult to find how to, because we can classify everything, it's moving. So I have to think about how to, what to do about uh, this kind of data. Now I don't know how to do with that, but I think it's very important also. So also in this memory dimension, there is question of sound marker register. So for example, there is the style value. So now for this point about style, it was more uh, speeches from some musician and artist who say this kind of things. So the question of style was made uh, about the childish style. So people was able to uh, guess, to understand that some children was playing the instrumental part. And also they recognized that it was a lasa touch with the instrument play. And there is also a question of location, so marker, so location value. So there is some people who said directly when they listen that they say, oh, it's a song from here, from Dharamshala. And some people say also, oh, it's really a song of upper TCV. So there is really location in different um, point of view who are linked to the as a song marker. That's why I, I think it's important to to um, notice that. Thus, what counts in this song for listeners? We can see that even if this song has been categorized in the repertoire of patriotic songs and is part of politicized events, what is important for them is expressed in a set of values, especially linked to anamnesis, mediation, feeling, and imagination register. So now we are more in the second time of my presentation. So in addition to providing a beginning of answer to my question, this listening session allowed me to question my knowledge of the musical practices of Tibetan exiles in Dharamsala and more generally on the issues and experience of exile in this particular case. Until I started using this tool, I had already have been able to attend several performances in this city, but also to see how the Tibetan musical choreographic heritage in exile was transmitted here. I have noticed that teachers, event organizers, and artists, for example, often emphasize the importance of preserving rich Tibetan culture heritage or the involvement of the Tibetan community in the struggle for an independent or free Tibet, depending on the point of view. So I had a very institutional, political, and spectacular vision of the, these musical and dance practices that this listening session allowed me to question. Thus, I want to give an account of the fact that music is a, uh, at the core of the constriction of subjectivities. Indeed, it, it is a privileged medium through which an emotional heritage and axiological grammar, so system evaluation, are transmitted and link the member of the Tibetan community in Dharamshala through the use of heritage emotions. So emotional heritage is the notion that I build using the notion of heritage as Tornatore defines it about what we care about. So for me, emotional heritage is this emotion we care about and for those we are engaged in their transmission. In other words, our thought institution has a weight on what is determined to be Tibetan musical heritage and the meaning attributed to it. 
what is important to individuals in the listening in listening music what matters and what does uh, what does it tell us about tibetan society in Dharamshala, and what about the experience of exile in this case through the description of in situ performances and the data from the listening session i will try to answer this question and show how, thanks to the emotions resulting from the evocation of memories and the solicitation of the imaginary during the performance, such as nostalgia, music allows one uh, to recreate links with absent entities deemed important in the Tibetan culture in exile, such as a relative, the mother, a place, Tibet, or a way of life, nomadism, for example. I will also show how music allows us to relive to make present past events inscribed in the collective history and imagination, often charged with heavy emotions. Then I will describe how this attachment to absent and past entities allow us to create connection with individual present with us in exile. This connection and this work of weaving emotion through music, thanks to the set of value that it's allowed to bring into presence and how people use them having an essential role in the cohesion of the group as an emotional community. So according to Rosenwein definition, emotional communities are a group in which people adhere to the same norm of emotional expression and value or devaluate the same or related emotions. In my case, I use emotional community as a social group whose members share an emo emotional heritage through music but the valuation and the expression depend on individuals' axiological grammar that can move in time depending on individual life experience. So we saw that emotion register has been part of discourses of listeners. Thus, even if my work will not be focused on anthropology of uh, emotion as I'm working more about axiology, I will not be able to ignore the great concepts that have been already developed. In this perspective, the field of study on emotion in migration is particularly interesting and has already produced a number of concepts that could be very useful in my analysis, such as outside emotional labor in her book, The Managed Hurt. And as uh, Armadi Kojil, I think most of you know her, a brilliant PhD student, and I'm totally objective, even if she is my friend, noticed to me a few days ago, there is many work uh, who have been made about anthropology of emotion and phenomenology in the Himalayan studies. It's a field of research that I'm not familiar with uh, because of the focus of my research. So I, I will be very more than happy to learn more about if you have any recommendation uh, about that. But when, as an ethnomusicologist, one become interested in the field of this research on emotion in migration, it quickly become apparent that our discipline haven't been very present and more absent from the debates and more uh, widely in the development of this uh, field of research. Only the work of Estelle Amid Labretec and Eka Pistrick seems to point in this triple direction. And as for the more specific case of studies on Tibetan music, here again, we note that this approach have not been really developed. Only the work of Kayla Dale uh, in 2002 seems to provide some element and the PhD of Miranda Fedok at the University of New York is more related to this. More generally, more generally it seems that studies on emotion in migration, very often focusing on transnational care practices, have been more interested in the emotion aroused by material objects. When researchers evoke immaterial objects, 
it is often by not recognizing their importance in the emotional experience of migration. This is, for example, the case of Marouk Shadzvashek, who, after evoking that object, taste, and smells, as well as image, may come to stand for a particular home human order. Note, multisensorial engagement with things from home may be an important way for migrants to have inner dialogues with the absent homeland and create a sense of belonging. So multisensory uh, seems to have only a potential importance in the emotional experience of migrants with what comes from the country of origin. We also note that sounds were not mentioned in the list of ele elements that can signify or represent being especially in a migratory context. Conclusion. In spite of the relative disinterest on music by anthropology of emotion in migration and the absence of the ethnomusicological discipline in their debate, my research with notably this part on listening station, but also with the work on describing uh, institu institutionalization of music led me to argue that sensoriality, and in this case, I'm particularly interested in the relation to the sound, is at the core of live experience and the construction of subjectivities in migratory context. Thus, first, I hope I succeed to show that the ethnomusicological approach has a place in the contemporary debate on emotion in migration, and more particularly in the field of Tibet anthropology. Then I hope also I succeed to show that beyond the debate related to nationalism, there is still a lot to do in the Tibet ethnomusicology research field. Thank you, everyone. And you have all my biography. And I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Chloe.